Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke from BurkeReviews.com and with me as always from across the pond, the Kingsman to my statesman, Matt Hudson from WhatIWatchTonight.co.uk. How's it going, Matt? Very good. You almost stumbled then. I have to think about it myself. I'm either Kingsman or Statesman sometimes, but I am very much just suited and uh, glassed up by that. I mean, I'm wearing spectacles. Kingsman to your statesman. Um, Yes, very good over here. It's a nice balmy... Uh, Tuesday evening, I have a Coke, full fat, unfortunately, uh, and mm. I've got some soccer on the TV in front of me, so I'll be keeping John abreast of that Ooh. as we're talking. Uh, but that aside, dude, it's been very hot over here, so I'm um, I'm happy that we've got a bit of breeze and I can talk some film. I shoot the breeze with uh, my transatlantic movie brother. So how on earth are you, my friend? I'm very well. Uh, the hurricane passed us by, um, so that Thanks was that. good news. And uh, you know. Um, it is hot. It, it was supposed to rain like all day Sunday, all day Monday, and even today. And it's it's drizzled today. It didn't rain at all Sunday. Didn't rain at all yesterday. So it got really, really hot. Um, so much so that this morning when I went for my uh, four mile run, um, that I had for the first time that I've been running, I got to run with a friend. Um, my editor from Burke Reviews came over and we ran uh, together four miles. When I was walking back to my house from the last mile, uh, it sounded like I was walking in a puddle because of the amount of sweat in my shoe which i've never had happen before That's and it it weird. was disgusting um <laughs> yeah. and i walked into my house and my wife was getting ready for work i'm like wait listen she's like what i'm like listen and i started walking across the house and she's like oh my god that is disgusting i'm like get you out are of right my house. <laughs> <laughs> like there is an ungodly amount of sweat in my shoe and i don't know how um as long as it's just your shoes uh well it was not uh that was just where it had pooled it was everywhere like no i i am i sweat a bit and it's very very humid today was exceptionally humid um here in florida and so yeah i sweated so much um i'm i was lucky i was still walking probably but uh and i do drink water while i'm running but um yeah it was it was real real bad uh real hot real sweaty um i usually run about half an hour earlier than i did today and i think and that's why because i try to like get get it in before the the sun's all the way out mm-hmm. uh it did not happen and uh because i was waiting on my my friend who is notoriously a little on his own time schedule you know he does his mm-hmm. own thing um, i know people like that that's how you could describe this, sh- this show a bit hot a bit sweaty yes i perfect description um which i guess is a good segue into uh what we're going to be talking about today right um yeah oh take it away we're here to talk about the film she dies tomorrow uh directed and written by amy simons um it is going to be available on vod on august 7th on most streaming platforms so prime i believe itunes Mm -hmm. um or whatever they're calling that now it's not itunes anymore i guess uh apple movies yeah um and I don't use Apple products as, as you, well, I'm literally on a Mac right now, but aside from the Mac, <laughs> I don't use Apple products. Um, but, uh, and Vudu and all those different streaming services, it'll be available to rent on VOD. Um, it stars Caitlin Shell, Jane Adams, uh, Ken, that's such a weird name, Kentucker, oddly. Um, and then uh, the synopsis. I love the synopsis. It's one of the, it's, it's so short and succinct yet it still feels like maybe they're they're walking a line of of too much information um amy thinks she's dying tomorrow 
and it's contagious. I, I paused because there's an ellipses and it calls for that. Um, apparently, it will be available in some drive-in theaters across the U.S. Uh, you'll have to check your local markets to find out if it's playing near you. If it is, uh, cool, because it won't be. My drive-in theater has opted to go with uh, retro screenings rather than um, indie films because of the market. Uh, they definitely mm. get more business from the retro screens in our area, unfortunately. Because um, I would I would have liked to have seen this on a big screen. It would have been cool. Um, yeah, with, uh, before I go into any, into the film or either of us, I think that's a great way to intro this film is whilst we're, we were pleased to have got our hands on the film and watch it in any way, shape or form, this would have been a even more uh, straight, revelatory, strange experience on the big screen. How many people would have been in that screening? I don't know, but Matt could maybe could have been better having an entire theatre to myself to watch this, but... Yeah, whilst I'm I'm dead pleased to have been able to watch it on my own television, uh, yeah, they've been able to see it at the cinema, man. Imagine imagine that on that big screen. Yeah, just insane um, how great that would have been, especially uh, the big screen, but also the atmosphere. Um, While this movie did not have – I had no issues being pulled into this movie. Like, this is one of those films where um, I watched it and I was sucked in. Sometimes – even if I'm at home, I am much more inclined to end up on my phone or my computer or doing something else than watching the movie versus if I'm in a theater, if I'm in a theater, I almost 99% of the time commit a hundred percent to what I'm doing, partly because I feel like the screen demands it and the Mm -hmm. loud sound system demands it. Um, At home, there's distractions. People will come in and ask me a question or my phone will ring. Um, So this movie though, didn't have that problem, but I can't imagine how much more immersed I would have been in a theatrical environment, which is of course the, the downside of our current situation where this is, uh, to be fair, probably wouldn't have been playing near me. I would have had to go to Orlando to see this, which I, that's, you know, it's about an hour drive plus traffic and, mm-hmm. and nightmare scenarios of people. Um, so I may not have gone out of my way to see this, uh, having not really heard about it until, uh, it was in my you know lap to watch it. Um, having now seen it though, if like, if, if all of a sudden it was at my drive-in, I would totally go to watch it on the big screen, like without any hesitation. So, um, yeah. so you, so uh, on this, would you, you would go back and rewatch it a second time? Oh yeah, I definitely would. Um, which, uh, so I think we need to set up something listeners. Um, when I watched this movie, um, I immediately closed my computer, got up, put on my running shoes and I walked two miles uh, around my neighborhood thinking. Um, I don't remember another movie giving me the... I, now, to be fair, I walk daily. Like, I, I generally walk two miles. That's like, if I'm going to walk, I'm going to try to do two miles at a time. Mm-hmm. But I had not planned to, nor did I need to that day. I'd already done my exercise for the day. But that was one of those moments where, like, the only thing that felt right was to be alone with my thoughts and to, to move. I needed to move. And... Mm-hmm. um. I I don't remember I can't quite think of other movies that left me so like heavy like this movie yeah. just weighed on me when it was over I I could not just like okay well I'll think about it later right before I write like no this was going to be I have to sit and think about what I just watched what was being said um how it was conveyed what it could mean um and uh, th- all of those things might sound like a bad thing, but for me, it was, no, this is what I, I love movies that challenge me. I love movies that make me uh, think about things. And um, 
not feel like this movie didn't make me feel bad. It didn't feel preachy. It didn't feel like, you know, like it wasn't like one of those things. Cause there have been movies where I watch and I'm like, Oh, I'm an awful person. This movie made me feel like an awful person. Mm-hmm. That's not what this did. This just made me think it made me ponder existence and what it, what it, you know, all just so much. Um, and I, at the same time, I did find it really hard to, to discuss this film without breaching spoilers because I, I, I feel like it's such an experience of a film that talking about any part can alter someone's experience of it. And I, I don't think that's fair. I think you really need to go into this with knowing as little as possible. Mm-hmm. Just watch it. Let the, let the questions come. Cause you will have questions. You will be watching this going, what is happening? Why is that? Ask those questions internally. Don't say them out loud. Don't mm-hmm. be that guy, yep. but ponder it and, and wait, because some of them will be answered. Others will not. And it's not, it's not a plot hole. It's not, oh, she didn't come. No, no. Everything here is intentional and it is meant for you to be questioning things. And I, that's, I, I was really, really blown away by this. Um, I, th- I thought visually it's really cool. Like there's a lot of awesome, like looking scenes in it. I thought the performances were outstanding. Um, and again, just that, that this movie makes you interact with it. Like I either think you shut it off and you just stop watching it. Even if it's still playing, you're, you're cutting yourself off because you're not, you're not vibing with what it's asking you to do, but it is grappling with you. Like it is grabbing you and saying, think with me, ponder with me. And if you won't, then I don't think you're going to enjoy this movie. And again, you may not enjoy with like quotation marks. You may not love what's happening, but you are going to be doing something with this film. It, it begs you to, to interact with it and be involved and be an active watcher, not a passive viewer. And, um, I think if you do that, it, it's it, it's one hell of an experience of a of of a movie and what movies can do in that way. Um, and that was like obviously I'm very up on this film, uh, Matt. Um, I've known you now for uh, a while. I think we've been doing this for just over two years. Yeah. And this movie and prompted half. something that that two and a half. And this movie prompted something that has never happened in that time <laughs> that I've known you. Uh, I'll yeah. let you tell what what happened, but. Well, on to John's story. Yeah, I I watched this film the other night, and um, just a quick one. Thank you to the guys and girls at Neon for allowing us to watch this ahead of time. And yeah, no spoilers for this one. But I watched the film on a Saturday night. It was just me in the house, apart from my uh, four-year-old who was asleep by then. Uh, lights off. Get, gonna get into this. I had no idea what the film was about. You know, I you know as 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 I always say, I don't, I don't look into the films too much. I wanna, I want the film to tell me something. I want the film to explain itself to me. Well, I watched this film, and I was, and at the end of it, that's why I said to John, I sat and stared at my own reflection in my television for a while. Then I picked up my telephone, my cell phone, my mobile phone, and I dialed the number of John Burke. And I had to say to him, John, what the heck, what have I just watched? What what have I just put myself through? But not as a negative, not a, not a Jesus, what the hell have you just made me watch? It was a that was a hell of an experience, and it's prompted me to pick up the phone because I felt like I needed to say to somebody, right, I've just experienced something, and I'm not quite sure what it was, how to feel about it, how to put it in words, but I know I experienced something, and. Uh, it took me a while, but I managed to get my thoughts down in writing on the film. And I'm too like John. I, I thought it was a really, really good film. I also said to JB on the telephone that it took me off for the first half an hour. I was, I was, I was in, 
But I was kind of, I was thinking, right, what, what's going on? There was a lot of imagery and there's a lot, there was a lot of uh, decisions that were made, which at the time I was thinking, right, where is this going? But as I soon came to realise that Amy Simex, she's not here to give you the, give you any answers, man. She's just not what she's here about. She's here to present you with something. You watch it, experience it, and you take take from what you take from it what you will. Uh, there are obvious um, allusions in the film, and, and the synopsis mentions one of them. But there, it's not just you run your straightforward um, structured narrative. There's a lot going on in the film. There's certain characters, a few characters, and they've all got their own uh, stories individually, and and there's intercut with these very very strange. Um, uh, interlude, shall shall call them, very short, uh, for want of a better term. But honestly, this was a very, very, very uh, strange experience, but in the best way. Because I, again, I've I remember about a decade ago, literally about ten years ago, I watched the French film Martyrs, to, uh, Pascal Logier's film, and I watched that, and that, and then I sat staring at my screen like, what? Like I feel like I've just been hit by a truck after watching that. But unfortunately I didn't know JB at the time to ring him up and say, dude, I've just watched something <laughs> and I don't know what's happened. But honestly, I, I put it in my review exactly what JB said. You, you people, this film isn't going to be for everyone. So I'll prefix what I'm just about to say by saying that not everyone's going to enjoy this. So there probably will be people who will get 45 minutes into it and think, you know, I'm out, I'm done. Fine. That's subjective. And you know, I, I can see why people would, would be like that. But, as a film, as an experience, Amy Simons is saying to you, right, here's what I'm presenting. I, I dare you to look away. I dare you to not be engaged and to want to know what's going on. Because I was completely hooked because I wanted to know what's going on. I was waiting for my answers. I was like, you know, I, I, we are, as film fans, tuned to believe we're going to get the answers by the end of the film. And that's just how we watch films. This is a different experience. And... That's what hooked me in. Also, the the great performance, especially uh, Caitlin Shale as Amy, and uh, I and um, I can't remember the lady's name now. It's going to come to me in a minute. Uh, Jane Adams. Jane yeah. Adams is very good as well. Um, so yeah, it absolutely wants you to watch. It compels you to watch. The you know the power of Simex compels you to watch this damn thing and to try and like John said, take from it what you were. What does it mean to you? And I tell you, there's, it, it means a lot to, it, there's a lot to take from this, sorry. Again, there are lots of allegories and things which are very obvious, which I don't want to say what they are, but they're, but they're not like smack you in the face obvious. It's a really well done film. It looks great. It's well acted. It's wonderfully shot. It's incredibly uh, like ambitiously ambiguous. And yeah, I had a strange transcending, transcendental time with this film. Um, yeah, Neon. Well done, Amy Simons. Well done. Especially, and I think she gets an extra well done because this movie's existence justifies the existence of Jason Clark's Pet Cemetery because yes. she self-financed this movie with the money she made from doing Pet Cemetery, And I'm like, well, there you go. Now there's a reason for that movie to exist because this movie exists because of Pet Cemetery. So awesome because but, I really didn't like Pet Cemetery. If that's Jason Clark. But, but, well, people have described this as the 2020 of movies. In terms of like just what's going on, and that isn't because the film sucks as badly as this year does. But you watch the film and you'll you'll get what what these people are on about. And I see, I see, I smell what they're cooking in this instance. But um, the fact that it was self financed, I think, is um, just what like JB said is testament because 
First, a studio would have picked this up. I'm sure, obviously, Neon did, but but the fact that it was self-financed by Amy Simon, it's probably made it a lot more um, appealing because you know less risk, high reward potentially out of this. Yeah, and there there are some other uh, like bigger names in this movie. They all have really small roles. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Chris Messina being one. Um, and again, this those aren't spoilers. I'm not saying what role they have, but they are in the movie. Um, Michelle Rodriguez, which is a huge name um very very small part and then um i always forget his name but the guy who's like a discount uh matthew mcconaughey adam wingard's in it oh uh, which uh, he's you know that's not very, him sorry, yeah no uh, that's not him it is uh oh the name's josh lucas that's it that's it I, again i like josh lucas no offense to him but he is kind of you got to imagine in a world where matthew mcconaughey wasn't here he would have a lot of those roles <laughs> right like they're very similar and in, in build and even like they both have the, a similar accent um you know i i feel no like got the mcconaughey draw though no it's not that's why mcconaughey gets more work uh <laughs> he's got that um but yeah this so like those people show up and they have their scenes are strong too uh but it's definitely the two leads uh jane adams and, and si- uh not simon's is the director uh caitlin show yes uh they they are the predominant uh forces in the film for sure and they they both are terrific um i i again i mentioned um the cinematography is it's very very uh close-up oriented for mm-hmm. a lot of the film but man some of the, the like the lighting effects she uses just are it's just a gorgeous film um mm-hmm. in a lot of ways i really really enjoy so much of what, the way the movie looks on top of the fact that it's it's making me tackle with this existential uh dread of sorts and okay. um yeah it's man i so far uh 2020 has been a up and down year with film because so many of the movies that we expected or were anticipating to get to see we've either been denied completely like we know a quiet place 2 is not coming out in 2020 now you know a movie that i was so hyped to see i taught a quiet place earlier this year anticipating seeing the second one i wanted my students to be excited for it only for it to be taken away from us at the last second Mm -hmm. um so with that, like the, the year's been kind of disappointing in some ways with film, right? Like, cause some of the ones that we were so excited for, we're not going to get to see. Um, so when I found this movie, uh, thanks to big tuna again, yep. for kind of pointing me into that. His direction. favorite film of the year. Oh. So he says, uh, yes. And I don't disagree with him. I, I don't know that this will be my favorite film of the year, but it's definitely right now in my top five. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, uh, very, very into this movie and I have so much, uh, like love for what this film does um that i can't you know think of anything uh i'm I'm glad we reviewed it like that's ultimately like um for me it's like i i want people to know this film exists because again if it wasn't for big tuna i don't know that it would have popped up on my radar immediately like i probably would see it on, on like voodoo or whatever this weekend and be like oh what's this and then look it up but i i hadn't heard about this prior and man i am so glad i watched it um you know there's a lot of really great indie movies this year and uh i i hope this is going to be a push for the indie movement because of the way everything is going but um when you look at this movie because it is it's it's definitely low budget um not it doesn't look low budget but just like when you it's small cast it's small you know it feels very intimate as a story anyways um you could you could definitely see like we don't have to make 200 million dollar movies every single time like you can do these smaller films and they can tell these really enthralling stories that make you think and ponder and and 
um, question existence. And I know some people watch movies simply for escapism. They just want the, the, the fun story to forget about their tough day. Mm -hmm. Uh, They don't always want to be self-reflective. And this film is definitely going to make you kind of look inward and think things. Um, And I get that. But if you're in a mood to, to challenge yourself, if you're in a mood to, uh, to think about things, this is a film that I think could work tremendously for you. And I, I, even if you, if this immediately sounds like something you wouldn't watch, I would encourage giving it a chance because you don't know um, maybe it will click for you or maybe this will turn you into those other films that are like this, that where, you know, it's not just, you know, explosions and, and fast cars that there's actually substance and, and uh, on the surface, but also there's subtext, you know, like there's so much. And I do want to point out too, it is a, it's not like it's a direct, like it's not just people sitting in a coffee shop, pondering their existence like stuff is happening in this movie Mm -hmm. that is hard to explain so i don't want to undersell that element of it there is genre pieces in this movie so um yeah i man i just i just think it's great i i really want to uh put that out there if you if you're willing to give it a chance i highly recommend that you rent this film yeah and, and on your point the fact that we've had so many big films pushed back to 2020 has opened the door that bit more for smaller films like this to uh, get more recognition, maybe not a wider release potentially, but more eyes are on it because I too probably would have completely missed this film um, had it not been for the recommendation. And had there, had we had a full lineup of um, wide releases, you know, the quote unquote big films, then this film would have f- fallen under the radar for me. And I'm glad that it didn't because like you say, this is a film with substance. There's a film with something going on behind its eyes and, it's and I love you that you mentioned the colours earlier on because I mean the poster is colourful as anything, but the, the yeah. use of colour in this film is just wonderful. What Amy Simons does and her team to evoke and get the like that's that sense of dread, but also this is a, it's a strange kind of like sense of uh, euphoria in certain scenes and wonder and the ambiguity again. And earlier on, I'm tying myself up in knots trying not to give any spoilers away and I still am now because or or anything which could add or detract to somebody's experience but I'm with you dude I'm very glad I got to see this film and I'm uh, glad that Amy Simons went with well was in Pet Cemetery firstly but went with her gut self-finances and put it out there in the world because is it you know semi-autobiographical probably potentially possibly is um but it's an ambitious film and one that works. It, it falls on the right line. And I'd love to hear more from what people out there listening think about this film. If they've seen it, does it sound like the kind of thing you want to listen to? Or did you watch it and think, you know what, these guys are talking rubbish. It was awful. I'd love to hear some like uh, dissenting opinions. Yeah. Uh, you know, only if you actually mean it. Though. Don't don't hate it to hate. Oh yeah, of course. Um, yeah, like reasons why it didn't work. I say yeah, like like we can give reasons why it did work. Right, and I think that's that's it for the review of She Dies Tomorrow. I think uh, it's very clear. Matt and I both recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, over at thebergreviews.com, my and both of us uh, also wrote reviews. So feel free to go to our sites, and you can get a little more details um, in what we thought. Still spoiler free, I believe, for both of us. Yeah. Um, and uh but you know um you can read that and i had a, oh uh and on my site it would it gets the must see rating which is the highest rating that i give a movie so yep and it got a, and it got a fresh tomato from me 
Um, and with that, we will move into chuffed headlines. Uh, so this is where we look through the news, the movie news or pop culture news that's been going on since the last time we uh, recorded one of these. And um, we tell each other about what we, we learned because, you know, we don't have time to read all of the headlines. So, Matt, you want to start us off? What, what's a headline that caught your eye this week? Uh, mine is a fairly big headline uh, regarding one of or one of the biggest films of the year, even pre-pandemic. This is one of the most anticipated films of the year. And it revolves around Dune, uh, Denis Villeneuve. He's come out and said the pandemic has played havoc with his schedule. You just mentioned A Quiet Place 2 has been pushed back. So many films are being pushed back by a year now. And Dune is currently scheduled for a December 2020 release. But uh, Denis Villeneuve, uh, he spoke with CCTV very recently and he had this to say. He said, I was planning to go back and shoot some elements later because I wanted to readjust a movie. I needed time. At the time, I didn't know that would be a pandemic as we were about to go back to do those elements. He's talking about reshoots. The impact was that it crushed my schedule. It will be a sprint to finish this movie on time because we were allowed to go back to shoot those elements in a few weeks. It meant also that I have to finish some of some elements of the movie like VFX and the editing being in Montreal as my crew have stayed in LA. So Denis Villeneuve has said it's going to be a sprint to get this done. The reshoots were planned for this month. So August, 2020, the reshoots were in, they were in the calendar. Everyone's going to come back. Post-production is now behind schedule because of this. The uh, principal photography was completed last year. So that's something. So in terms of the main, so the main bulk of the film is done. Obviously now it's just the tune-ups, but the question is, you know, um, for a, such a massive movie in terms of scope and anticipation, because this is due to be the first of, oh, a, yeah. of many films. You know, will it make its December release date? What do Warner Brothers do? Because apparently they're going to be uh, releasing a trailer this month. So they are holding Ooh. steadfast on that December release. But we've seen a lot of other films fall by the wayside. And there are other films which they can slot into that December release, which are finished. So, John... Denis Villeneuve has said, you know, this is going to be a big ask to get this completed because there's so many variables against me. You're yeah. the you're the CEO of Warner Brothers. What do you do? I would delay it. Um, there's so much riding on this movie. Like, I know they've already spent money or whatever, but one, given the circumstances, realistically, they're going to end up having to delay it anyways. And two... Um, there's a lot of pressure on this because this franchise is beloved by mm-hmm. many. In fact, uh, my uh, compadre, uh, frequent contributor at Burke Reviews, Mike Sanchez, huge fan of Dune. He's one of the few who defends David Lynch's Dune, mm-hmm. um, which I've still not watched. Uh, I still have a lot of gaps in the Lynch catalog, but um, he's a fan of the book series. He's a fan of the film. And uh, he's a fan of Villeneuve, Villeneuve um, who I am as well. I, I am a huge, like, I love Enemy. I love Arrival. Um, I love Sicario. Not not Dave Soldado. That's <laughs> no. not good. But, um, and I haven't seen Prisoners. I feel like there's one more of his that I'm forgetting. But, oh, Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, love those movies. I'm a big fan. He's, he's I think sci-fi is his wheelhouse. I think he's proven it with Arrival and Blade Runner. So I'm all in on this movie. The cast is ridiculous, right? Yeah. If you if you rush this and it's it underperforms bec- as a direct result of that, yep. they will regret it because this has the ability to be this iconic, like a, a modern Star Wars. Granted, mm-hmm. it, again, it, it already exists. It already has a built-in fan base, so it's not the same as like Star Wars. That's you know, seventy-seven, boom, it's Star Wars. Like this, it blows up like the Big Bang almost. You know, this is 
this has a built-in audience but i i see the potential for it to do what lord of the rings did bring in a whole new generation of fans right yeah, yeah. people who never would have liked fantasy are big fans of fantasy now because of lord of the rings dune could do that but if they rush it and they they screw it up as a result man what a catastrophe it could be uh on par with like the dc versus marvel system right like if you compare mm-hmm. those two franchises they are like polar opposites of how to handle a franchise. Warner Brothers, learn a lesson. Because look, I'm pretty sure you're responsible for the DC fa- failure. Yep. Let this one be the Harry Potter that, you know, when we talk about Warner Brothers pictures in the last 20 years, Harry Potter, successful mm-hmm. until Fantastic Beast. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, you've got, you've got potentially you have an auteur filmmaker behind a huge franchise. Let him do his work don't rush him like that's what i say yeah i'm i'm with you i think i think it's the only logical choice unless um they can in the next fortnight literally the next fortnight and i know that sounds rushing but this is a multi-million uh, hundreds of million dollars worth of film potentially a billions dollars worth of film in terms of franchise give it a week give it two weeks can they get their eggs in a row can they get their schedules aligned can they get reshoots in at all um, obviously, we know that films are starting to, and TV shows, are, uh, are going back to production, certainly in the United Kingdom and uh, places like New Zealand. But they need to look at it in the next week or two. And be like, right, if we can't do this, we have to push this. Yes, we were hoping for that big December uh, release, like that Star Wars made its home since 2015. The, the, December's is the money month. You know, it's coming up to the holiday season. It's proven it's not the dumping ground anymore. But... Exactly what you've just said. If they do this and it clangs and everybody can see that this was rushed, there are elements that are missing, not from the book, but from actually creating a cohesive story. Because again, not everyone is going to see this is going to be is going to know the source material. They may not have seen Lynch's version. They may not have read the books. Right. So they uh, have yeah. to appeal to the widest, like Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. They've got to appeal to the widest possible demographic and target audience possible. Rushing a huge film out of this with the talent they've got, you know, the talent aren't going to want to be associated with a massive bomb either. Let's face it. Yeah, yeah. they're still going to, going to go on and get work, but there's always that stigma that it'll be um, so-and-so who, uh, who who was part of the team who absolutely destroyed Dune. They've got to push it back. If, if they can't guarantee it within the next few weeks, they've got to push it back. It's all about, we know that studios are in it and always have been in it for the money. That's that's their game. Money. Product, great. Money. If they're going to make the most money by pushing it back to, say, uh, uh, May next year or something, or even December next year, I know that's a huge push, but other films have done it. If it's if that's what it's going to take, that's what it's going to take. Do you know what I mean? Even like Avatar, those sequels everyone's looking forward to, they've been pushed back a year and, they're, and they've already started production as well. So if they can be pushed back a year because they know they're not going to be finished, I know they weren't quite so far down a rabbit hole as Dune is, but honestly... They've got to step back and think, right, we've got this footage. Can we improve it by December? If the answer is anything but yes, we can, they've got to stop it. They've got to. If it's we might be able to, there's a high chance we can do it. It's not good enough. It's not good enough for any film, but especially a film with so much riding on it. So uh, I'm with you, John. Yeah. Can it until next year? Yeah, it's just the right choice. Mm-hmm. What have you got on your uh, headline? Well, my first headline, I'm going to uh... – I, I pulled the headline and I was going to read the whole article and I've only been able to skim the article because life got in my way yesterday, but I, I'm a big George Romero fan. Yes. Uh, and it, I even like some of the lesser 
Romero films. Um, <laughs> like I, I would say it stops with land of the dead and the other of the dead movies that came out like diary of the dead and whatever the last, I can't remember the other two that came out, but they're not so good. But like I, I dawn of the dead, uh, obviously night of the living dead, dawn of the dead. I like day of the dead. I, I, I will go to bat for land of the dead. I think it does some interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, it's not as good as those other ones, but um, and I think you start to get a little of the zany in Day of the Dead, but um, I, in general, big, big fan of Romero's work, and yeah. at the very least, his influence on the genre, right? I'm a big zombie movie Absolutely. fan. And, um, so this uh, this is a, there's a book coming out called The Living Dead. It is a novel that uh, apparently was one of Romero's final projects, and an author, Daniel Krauss, um, has finished the book, uh, and it's um, he's a big influence by the by Romero, just like I said about myself. Um, and so he was kind of tasked with completing the novel, and uh, I'm I didn't know it was happening, but it's supposed to I think like solidify the uh, the movies, like how they're all connected, um, you know, in this book, like finalize the story. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm intrigued. I kind of I don't read a lot, but every once in a while a book will grab me, and I I will feel compelled to read it. And I think this is going to be one of them because again I've seen all of the the Romero zombie films. Um, I don't know if the Diary of a Dead Diary of the Dead. I really can't remember the other. There's at least one more. There's dawn. There's night. There's day. There's land. The survival of the dead. Um, ah, diary survival of the dead. and diary. Yeah, I think those are the last two. And those felt more like reboots than they felt like continuations of the dead franchise. And I'm wondering if they're going to be, if that's going to be wrong. And those are not reboots at all, but continuations of those other stories. Because like you see the progression of the, the dead in each of those other films. Yeah. Um, but it feels much like a hard reboot with survival. I think survival was first and then diary. Um, and those are uh, clearly connected. There is a character that is in both films that you see only for a second in one of them, but is a major character in the other. Um, but uh, I, I'm intrigued by the novel. So I, that caught my eye because, you know, Romero, what, died about a year ago? Uh, um, a couple of years, I think. Oh, man. It's crazy how time flies. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of, of Romero, so this caught my eye. And, again, I, I meant to – thoroughly read this and then time got away from me and I, I had a whole thing which i'll talk about in a little bit when we get to how we're saying bloody awesome which is what kind of stopped me from reading this article as thoroughly as i should have i apologize for that but i still wanted to bring it up because i think it's worth uh, looking into i'm, I'm definitely going to be looking into this book and maybe getting a copy sent to me from a, a big you know book chain dealer type mm-hmm. website that i don't want to i don't want to sponsor or i don't want to advertise because they are not a sponsor um, if they would like they to sponsor be. uh, Mr. Bezos, go for it. Yes, um, they should be. Know. It's exciting. I'm a, again, I'm a fan of uh, most of Romero's works. Uh, I've got to give a shout out to Creepshow back in the early 80s. A big fan of Creepshow. Oh, I love exactly. Creepshow. Um, yeah. And The Crazies, which got a decent remake in the... in the. the I've only seen the remake, and I like the remake. Um, and I didn't know... And Romero is still attached, I think, with the script mm-hmm. um, for that for the remake. So. Yeah, yeah. I think the remake may have actually been better than the original. Um, but not by much, because the original one's fine. But um, yeah, this is interesting news. You know, the fact that uh, Romero had a novel penned um, and it's being finished from Beyond the Grave is, you know, oddly apt. But it's an interesting idea. And I'm quite looking forward to reading this, like, like you, which also plays into my bloody awesome. But I'm looking forward to picking this up because I, too, am a fan of a lot of his films. Some of them do get a bit odd, a bit gnarly and a bit naff at times. But as a mm-hmm. legacy... 
you know, Romero, he's the he's the arsenic, isn't he? He's the barometer. You think zombie films, it, Romero's name comes to your mind, a zombie apocalypse. You think George A. Yes. Romero. And and that's always going to um that's always going to be the case because of the influence he had in within the genre creating the damn genre as far as I'm concerned. So uh, this is an interesting story, which I, I had no idea about. I didn't know this was in the in the works, but now I do know about it. Uh, I'll definitely be trying to pick that up. Yep, that's and that's kind of what I was looking for when I was skimming through the headlines. I was looking for one that didn't feel like everyone would be talking about it, and this is such like a niche kind of fans of Romero will be really pumped. Um, I there's a, a a guy I know who's a um I know through my my job, um who is a big fan of Romero and be- ended up becoming friends with Romero and like, um, you know, like he was, a, started off as a fan, met him at a convention and then there was a, a mutual respect and they ended up becoming really close. Mm-hmm. And so when Romero died, like that was, it was like, you know, I was, I reached out to that guy. I was just like, man, that's crazy. Cause I know you guys got really close. And, um, I'm just such a, such a fan of, you know, like nine of living dead is obviously brilliant, but, um, for me, like Dawn of the Dead, the original, not the Snyder remake. I, I am not a big fan of the Snyder remake. Um, <laughs> and I know James Gunn penned that one too, and I still don't. I don't love that one, but I love the original Dawn of the Dead. I just that movie just clicks for me every single time. Yeah. And so uh, I'm in. I'm in for the book. Re-release the Romero cut of that one. Um, I had another quick story. Was um, obviously the new sad news that Wolford Brimley has passed away, aged 85. Uh, he was 40 years old when he received his first acting credit, which shows never give up on your dreams, guys. Of course, Wilford uh, was best known for playing Dr. Blair in 1985's Awesome, The Thing. Uh, he was also in Cocoon, High Road to China, The Natural, uh, TV, Seinfeld, The Waltons, and plenty of commercials over there stateside as well. But um, yep. And for have some hilarious tweets as well. A lot of people know him for his tweets in later years, and that isn't meant to be derogatory. He was very, very funny on Twitter. Um, so, uh, yeah, just wanted to mention, obviously, the sad news and just pay tribute in our little bamp way to, uh, to Wilford Brimley. Yeah, um, I don't have much to add to that, but I saw it and was also like, oh, I mean, 85 is a, a good life. You know, like that's, mm-hmm. I, I'm hoping for 85. Like if I can get there, I'll be very, very happy with 85. Um, I'd love to live longer, mind you, but, you know. I'm, of course. 85 is still, it's a, it's a long life, so good for him, uh. And yeah, unfortunately, when I hear Win- Wilford Brimley, I most associate it with uh, diabetes um, because of the commercials. Yes. So um, that's that's some that's why I saw an awful lot on uh, on social media in his honor in the last mm-hmm. week. So yeah, uh, that was one of the ones I wanted to mention. And then um, uh, oddly, our, it seems funny how we keep like perfectly tying things together. Uh, so unrelated to the last one, but my uh, my second headline um, that caught my eye was that Joey King is going to be an assassin um, and opposite of Brad Pitt in a movie called bullet train uh, is going to be directed by David Litch or Leach um, who directed Hobbs and Shaw, which mm-hmm. I think by all accounts is not a great movie, but um, it's, it's a, it's mostly fun. It's, it was fun. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not the best of the fast and furious films by any means. It is. Uh, there are some ridiculously stupid action sequences in it, but it's still like a lot of most fun, um, more fun than not. And, uh, so I'm excited. I'm a, I am a Brad Pitt fan. And as you and I mm-hmm. have been on record now, since we did a whole episode on the kissing booth too, um, that we want Joey King to pick better roles. So maybe, yes. maybe this will be one of them. Um, let's hope that this movie will be interesting. Um, at the very least, uh, you know, it's a bigger, it's a bigger budgeted film than she's done in a while, or at least I assume it is mm-hmm. because of the, the names attached to it. 
uh, yeah, well, it's a, de- it's a departure from the usual crap she's been doing recently. Um, this could end up being a load of old rubbish as well, but mm-hmm. it's um, it's intriguing to start with. David Leach, fine, yeah. Uh, Brad Pitt, though, opposite Brad Pitt. Yeah. And I, I, too, am a big fan of Brad Pitt. He gave one of my favourite roles last year in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, I enjoyed the film, but I enjoyed Brad Pitt's performance a lot more. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's good to see. And this is what we've been saying. We, we want Joey King to succeed because she's clearly a talented actress and she clearly has a blast with her job. You just have to see her on social media to see that you know, she's loving life. But stop doing Kissing Booth films, please, and start hope, and start doing films which have the potential to be quite good based on the little I know about it. But just because Brad Pitt is in it and it's got uh, Sony pictures behind it doesn't mean it's going to be a a great film, but it's 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 an encouraging sign. It's a promising um, restart since the Kissing Booth two, and I can only imagine that Joey King was listening to our show last week and signed because of that. Maybe she's like, "All right, guys, I'm going to hear you out, and I'm going to do something that's not a Kissing Booth movie." But I think that on that note, Matt, you have a third uh, final headline you wanted to get into, and it seems to tie in perfectly. Yeah, I literally wanted to just uh, mention this one because. Uh, it's not a Joey King um, witch hunt. It's a kissing booth witch hunt because those films are bloody awful. And Joey King herself, she's come out recently and said why she thinks the sequel is better than the first. Uh, maybe because she's contracted to say that and paid to, but um, she thought that the, the the second film was bigger in scope and it gave the fans everything they wanted. And because of that, that's why it's better. They had a great time doing it and it, and it showed in the final product. So it was bigger it gave, and it gave the diehards what they wanted. It added to the lore of the kissing booth. So, um, did you think the second one was better than the first one? Uh, no, but also no. Like, I don't, I don't think I, I don't think that either of them are good. And, um, I don't know that I was ever like, oh, the world building needs to be expanded. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think so. But I, I, to be fair, maybe I don't, I don't have like a lot of memories of the first one. Um, to me, I don't remember the first one having so much like plot that just felt like loose ends, like just being mm-hmm. strewn about, you know. Uh, yeah. So I don't know, but I guess. Yeah, well, this will often be becoming a recurring joke every week where the kissing booth gets mentioned, or this is where we draw the line. You'll find that next week with yes. our kissing booth special. But um, yeah, that was my final headline I wanted to mention. All right, well, then let's get into the media we've been consuming because Matt and I, while we watch a lot of movies and we do have to watch specific movies for some of the, the shows and reviews that we write, um, we we also like other stuff. So we like to talk about anything we've been doing since the last time we recorded, whether it's movies, TV, video games, podcasts, etc., um, especially in this time of, of isolation to a degree. Even if we're not on full lockdown anymore, we still aren't able to socialize the way we used to. Um, to be fair, I guess I kind of socialize the way I used to, but, um, <laughs> we, we, we have to pass the time somehow. So Matt, how have you been, uh, passing the time? Um, not as much this week as previously. It's been a busy old week. Most of, most of it's been spent on podding, you know, doing this or the background, whatever. Um, but in between that, I have been, I watched a, a live stream event, a 12 hour live stream event, um, called empire 40 celebrating 40 year anniversary of the empire strikes back. And it was put on by a UK-based uh, retro toy collecting group called Farthest From. Farthest From, the centre of the galaxy, a new hope quote. Um, and also because as Star Wars Sessions, we were featured on it for two minutes, but we were on there alongside Gareth Edwards and people like that. Just going to oh, wow. drop that in. 
But um, I thought, well, I'm going to watch this and see what it's all about. And do you know what? It's really good. I didn't watch all 12 hours. I'm not a maniac. But from what I did see, it was very good. It, you know, they got the editor of The, the Empire Strikes Back in. They got um, a lot of the people who worked on that film. They had tours of the where they shot, like Hoth and places like that. And all of the memorabilia there, which is jaw-dropping. Um, so that was an awful lot of fun watching that. It's on YouTube. Um, few, a few hiccups and, um, and errors because it was a live stream. But hell, for, for 12 hours, great job to the guys yeah. over there. Um, I don't know if I ever talked to you about it, but when uh, well, like, I think it was the first full year of Burke Reviews, uh, the Star Wars celebration was in Orlando. And, yeah, yeah. and uh, Mike and I got to go as press uh, to the event. And that was when they announced the Force Awakens details. And um, cool. I was uh, I was super bummed um, because we're there and we find out like the, the, the big event where they were going to be releasing everything you had to be there like super early to get a band to get in. Right. So Absolutely, we're yeah. immediately not in. Right. And then all the rumors start coming out of what's going on there. And it's live streaming at the same time. So like, even though you're not in it, you're like standing in the hall, watching it on your phone or whatever. Yeah. Um, like all the cast was there, but then uh, John Williams showed up and conducted. Right. And they, they played. Right. So that was a few. Yeah. I hear about that happening. I'm on the floor and my phone rings and I look at my phone and it's a coworker. Um, at the time was our orchestra teacher at the high school. She's also a very talented violinist. And um, I knew before I answered my phone that in the past she had played for John Williams when he was in I the think area. I remember you saying this yeah. before. Yeah. And like, so she, she's calling me and I'm like, I answered the phone. I'm like, tell me you did not just play with John Williams. She's like, I totally did. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm here and I didn't get to see it. And you're like on the stage. Uh, but yeah. Um, so I, I just imagine the live stream being like a online version of the, the celebration, um, you know, cause it, it, it was, it was a really cool experience getting to do it. They, they, they moved the city every year. So that's the, like the downside yes, of the celebration. Right. But, um, the man, when I went to the one in Orlando, it was, it was pretty awesome. And, uh, obviously a lot of things have gone to online, like, uh, Comic-Con this year was online only and things like that, which I have not. I, I don't know if it, it feels like it should have already passed, but I haven't heard much about Comic-Con, so it I don't know if... It didn't do well in viewing numbers and, and like, um, general buzz, which was measured online. It, right. It was a massive, massive failure it, it, for what it was. You know, they obviously Comic-Con have to be applauded for doing it, but it was clear that it wasn't planned to be at home, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of coupled together from what I've heard. Yeah, and I, that's a, the issue, though. It's like I, I, I heard they were doing it, and then nothing about how to like participate or anything. And I'm, I'm pretty much my my fingers on the pulse of that kind of stuff, and I heard nothing about it. And I'm kind of bummed. I I didn't really hear about the Empire Forty thing. Um, and I'm a you know I'm not as big of a Star Wars fan as you, but I am a I have a lot of Star Wars memorabilia in the room I'm sitting in right now as we're recording this. Uh, I would yeah. say I'm a fan. I own four, not one, but four the child T-shirts of various styles Good man. and my wallet has been replaced with the child wallet. Uh, that is currently my wallet. <laughs> so like I I'm, I'm quite on board with the Mandalorian uh, go John uh, Favreau, but um, what else? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut off and, and dive away like tangent, but uh, you know, it caught my attention. So what else have you been doing? Any story that involves John Williams, the maestro, any, we can we can cut anything for a story about John Williams, but so yeah, I, I watched that and that was um that was good fun to watch uh, on a Saturday afternoon going into a Saturday evening before watching She Dies Tomorrow, which was a completely different experience. Yes, but um, I've only caught a couple of films. One one marvelous, one marvelously bad. Um, I watched Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers. It's going to be retrospective this week, and um, the extended edition, of course. So that was three and a half hours of a Sunday evening gone. But I 
I've mentioned on the my first appearance with JB way back when on Top 5, that The Two Towers is one of my top five films, and it remains so to this day. And I love that film. Um, just everything about it it, it, it is very much connective tissue, but it works so well. It's just so big. And the fact that the Fellowship are all um, have all been scattered and the story isn't focused so much on Frodo, which isn't a bad thing. I don't mean that to say because he's boring, but there's so much going on with Aragorn, Legolas and Gimli. And then um, we get the Riders of Rahiram. Where's, where's Gandalf the White off to? Um, and then, of course, the incredible Helm's Deep um, sequence set piece. So the two towers have been watching. And then I also watched A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, ah. The Dream Child, only because last week I watched uh, a part four. Yeah. Because, uh, I don't know, don't know why. Like I said to John, sometimes you just feel like trashy horror. I watched A, a, a Dream Child. And I was like, well, this is... Actually, I had a quite a good premise. I'll give it that. Um, Freddy Krueger's been banished. The heroine of the the final girl of the part four, she's pregnant, and Freddy Krueger's spirit or something uh, manifests via these dreams of the sleeping fetus. Sounds mock wild, but oh. you know they found a way to bring it back somehow. And I was like, okay, that's menacing. But then the film was rubbish. Um, that I can't really say much more about that. And on a side note, a couple of weeks ago we mentioned Vigo Mortensen and Buckethead, and they released an album. Yeah, I said I said I was going to go listen to it on Spotify. It's not on Spotify. In fact, it's not. It's incredibly hard to hear anything. Some of it is on YouTube, and it's mad. It's really <laughs> strange. It's, it's the latest stuff they did, which seems to be more instrumental, is actually really quite nice. It's quite beautiful, actually. Acoustic guitars, pianos, and hmm. um, arpeggios and stuff like that. It's very nice. But the stuff they did originally for their album, it's it's more Viggo Mortensen featuring Buckethead. Ah. It's really, really quite strange, and. Um, I'd imagine you need, you'd need to be on some substance to really get what is meant to be going on with those film, uh, those songs. But yeah, just an update on Vigo and Buckethead. I did listen to them, so I stayed true to my word. But uh, one good film, one bad film. But what about yourself, John? You've been well, busier than I. A little bit, a little bit. Um, you know, I'm still. I was. I should be back at work this week if we were going on our original calendar, but we delayed the start of school. Uh, by two weeks so i i'm and i'm in this weird hiatus where i wasn't sure how school was going to look so mm-hmm. i couldn't really plan so i've been watching more movies as a result but um i also uh when i run i like to listen to podcasts over music so i listened to all of season two so far of blockbuster podcasts which you introduced me to a couple weeks ago season one they yep. do george lucas steven spielberg and really john williams is kind of like the backdoor uh profile in that that season um season two is james cameron now i don't know if you know this but traditionally i'm not a big james cameron fan yes you've mentioned that yeah my students especially it started off as a very light joke um several years ago i i have a rivalry with james cameron in my students eyes like he is the guy (laughs) i dislike and it became an ongoing joke and it, it kind of took a life of its own so at some point i almost started believing it where like i'm like oh i'm clearly not a fan I think realistically, I think Avatar is one of the most overrated films ever. Um, it, it, sure, it's beautiful, but other than that, it has zero substance. It's super forgettable, and I think it, it should not have been the highest grossing film of all time for as long as it has been. And it will still be in the top for a long time. I, I don't think it's yeah. deserving of that. Especially when you consider like Cameron's earlier films like Aliens and Terminator 2, um, which are both just like masterpieces of action, right? Mm-hmm. Well this podcast has shattered 
my opinion of James Cameron. Wow. Um, I am so much more on board with him. I still Jesus. think he can be a jerk. Oh, dude, I watched the Titanic documentary on Disney mm-hmm. Plus the other day with the with the boss, and even she was sitting there saying, this guy comes across like an absolute idiot. And I was, everything, I, I thought the same. He knows his stuff, but he comes across as the guy who always wants to be seen as the smartest guy in the room. Right. But he has got the talent to back it up, hasn't he? Yeah, and listening to like how he has the chip on his shoulder and then making him... Uh, well, that one of the things the podcast does so well to me is it humanizes these like iconography... I can... Blah, blah these big icons of the film industry, right? They make them yeah. seem like people. And in that way, I, I connected with Cameron uh, listening to the podcast. And so, um, and again, the podcast doesn't make him, you know, like a good guy where he's not guilty of being kind of a jerk. Um, his, his love life is notoriously crazy between, you know, he mm-hmm. marries his first producer and then he marries Catherine Bigelow, who uh, he divorces quickly because he falls in love with, um, uh, Oh my God, Sarah Connor! I can't think of her name for some reason. Uh, um, no, how can we not think of Sarah Connor's name? I, I cannot Linda believe Linda Hamilton. It's like Linda Hamilton. Yes. That's it. Um, but like, uh, the the pod is great. Um, they have. Um, man, I am just forgetting all sorts of names right now. But uh, the voice actor doing um, James Cameron is a guy I'm a fan of because uh, Ross Marquand. Yep. Um, he is on The Walking Dead. Uh, he's several seasons of The Walking Dead, but also where I've grown to be a big fan of his is he's been on several episodes of Doug Loves Movies, um, and I am a, that's one of my other favorite podcasts. And he does a he has a YouTube channel, I believe, where he does micro impressions. So he he's a voice actor, anyways, and he's doing James Cameron. I think he's terrific on the podcast. Um, so yeah, big fan of that uh, that podcast. If you haven't listened to it, I highly recommend it. Thank you, Matt, for turning me on to it. Okay. Um, the only downside is I'm at that point now where I can't binge it, <laughs> and that sucks because I really want to. I want to finish this season, and I'm also like I can't wait to see who they do next. Yeah. Um, because season one and two are just so great, and so much. Uh, if you're obsessed with context of films, this is what this podcast does so great. You get all this back backstory of how. Uh, these movies came into existence and it's done through like a radio show. So it's very, it's very entertaining. It's not just like a guy droning on about it. It's, it's like watching a, a biopic almost yeah, or well, listening audio to a drama, yeah. Uh, and uh, I finally beat the last of us part two. Yes. Um, a lot of hours went into that game. I, I'm I, perfect timing because uh, we'll, we'll be talking about it in the near future, but we're going to be covering a film festival on the next couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be watching even more movies, but also having to get ready for work. So I have to like balance my life. So video games are going to fall to the wayside again for a little while. So I'm glad to have completed <laughs> this one before that happens. Um, and, uh, but I love the game. I don't, I, I can, I understand some of the criticism, but I don't agree with it. I, I very much enjoyed it. I felt very connected to the story. Um, I love the, the, I mean, graphically the game is insanely good. Just, it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I overall there, I have a couple of little complaints, um, but nothing I want to share. Cause I feel like it's kind of a spoiler, yeah. but it's more, I have more like structural, structural. Oh my God. I cannot Sound speak. Like me, no. Structural issues with it. Um, than I do anything else. Like, I feel like there's the way some of the story unfolds, I think could have been done slightly differently and it would have been a little more engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still, it was an engaging game. Um, maybe a little long because some sometimes it just feels like we're having to redo like okay yes here's another room of bad guys you must get through it's like yeah but does it do i need another room Mm -hmm. wasn't the one room enough like do i have to go through four rooms of bad guys like sometimes it just feels like you know 
going through the motions to go through the motions. So Last yeah. of Us One, Last of Us Two, which is the best? Which is the better game? I know you've just finished Last of Us Two, but which would you say right now is the better of the two? I I'm gonna have to give it to the first one only because like the only reason why the second one's worth playing is because of the first one, right? Like, yeah. um, I have such fond memories of it. I I it was one of those games where it, like it really sucked me in, and I was uh sad when it was over and i'm i'm sad that this one's over to a degree but at the same time i was i knew i had like other stuff coming up so i was like this needs to end um <laughs> so like i am glad that i was able to get through it but uh i also think the first one um maybe leaves maybe the way it ends is a little bit more uh upbeat or optimistic than the way the second one ends interesting maybe. well i need to get my hands on it i've been saying to john and others for weeks I am going to, but I, I will do it at some point in this section. I'll be saying I've just started my like 70 hour gameplay of the last of us two. And then, uh, some movies, right. Um, mm-hmm. Corey and I watched Micmacs, uh, which is a Jean Pierre Genois film, yeah. um, from 2009 really fun especially if you're a fan of his i think it's it's a good example of his style it's a heist movie but it's like a really quirky weird heist movie um you could almost call it like if if punked was a heist film um it's kind of that vibe right like it's this weird like hybrid of what their what their heist is is so weird but it's great um uh, i finally watched million dollar baby for the first time Um, was blown away by that movie, did not anticipate it being what it is. Um, but if you haven't seen that, like me, if you would s- slept on it for whatever reason, uh, definitely worth your time. Um, a documentary, it's directed by Ron Howard, called Rebuilding Paradise, is super good. It's just out on VOD. Uh, it is about Paradise, California. It was a city that in uh, November of 2018 was basically completely destroyed by a wildfire and weather conditions that made the fire spread rapidly. Um, the documentary starts with like seeing the the city basically burning and uh, through like footage on people's cell phone cameras, the security cameras, and it's insane. It's scary, and that's maybe fifteen minutes. And then the rest of the film is the process of rebuilding the city over the next year and all of the bureaucratic nonsense they have to go through, the emotional uh, hardships, the uh, the regular hardships. Um, the question about do you rebuild in a city that is like it's kind of a similar question that happened after the hurricanes uh, hurricane katrina in new orleans it's mm-hmm. like well if the if this is going to happen anytime a storm comes should we rebuild the same idea here is like this city is a it the where it is is prone for wildfire so is it worth rebuilding if it's just going to burn down potentially again um and so there's like that argument being made and and debate happening it, it's it's really emotional, um, inspirational. And at the same time, one of the, the craziest things, this is happening from November t- uh, 2018 till just before the, the beginning of 2020, right? I think the movie ends like right before January 2020. And so you're watching this as these people are like recovering from this horrible tragedy, knowing that they're going headfirst into COVID and they don't know it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's such a weird feeling of hindsight because they're, they're like, there's this like, optimistic end like i think we're gonna be okay and you're like you're not gonna be okay (laughs) covid's happening and it is like an extra layer of emotion added to this documentary that's already emotional um i really really enjoyed it it was a really good documentary and lastly sounds good uh, okay um i just watched uh it's a sony classic pictures film called the burnt orange heresy um that stars elizabeth debecky and uh she is becoming one of my favorite actresses she's so good in everything i've seen her in um it 
also stars a guy from The Square. I'm going to get his name. Uh, I don't know how to say it. Klaus Bang or Klaus Bang is C L A E S. Um, he's uh, oh yeah. Oh, I don't know. I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with your judgment on that one. Then it's got Donald Sutherland in a very small part, but I I tend to love Donald Sutherland. Mm-hmm. And then the big surprise for me because I'd never seen him in a movie before was Mick Jagger. Okay, and he, he's given quite a bit to do. To be honest, he he has a lot of uh, dialogue. He's a little bit. It's a. It's very much a performance, but it really works with the character that he is. So it's it's okay that it's a performance. But um, I really like this movie. Uh, I don't think it's perfect, but it really clicked for me, and I was really really engrossed by it. Um, so I, I enjoyed it. I don't think it will work for everybody. Uh, the third act is a little bit zany, and I, that's where I have the most issues. But overall, I found it to be a really interesting film. I was so pulled in and captivated by it. And again, partly just because of the performances. Um, it's it's really cool. It's, it's worth checking out. Usual diverse range of films. I'm going to put you on the spot because I love doing that. Of those films, which is the best one? Which would... Oh, no, which is the best one? Which would you recommend people have to see? Million Dollar Baby. Okay. It is, um, <laughs> I would say, of, yeah, of the best picture winners um, that I had not seen, it's one of the best in the last... I, I, I can't think of a great example but like when we think of bad best picture winners like there's a lot of hate like for green book there's a lot of hate for uh crash winning uh million dollar babies one where it's like no 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 that's the best picture that year like you need to watch that movie it's 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 deserving of the the title versus many others that maybe aren't as deserving right yeah um so i i i definitely think that one's worth checking out plus um, again, somehow I did not realize Morgan Freeman was in that movie, despite him winning the best supporting actor for that <laughs> being movie. on the cover um, and on the cover, uh, which I guess I just ignored. Um, but uh, yeah, I really was impressed with that film. So yeah, definitely say that's the, the obvious choice there. Um, if you're looking, though, for a really great documentary, uh, man, that Rebuilding Eden, uh, Rebuilding Paradise, <laughs> excuse me, Rebuilding Eden was a band that I was in. Um, Rebuilding Paradise uh, is... Um, definitely worth your time if you're into docs sweet okay well i'll go and check those out and for million dollar baby if you want to hear more about that movie astrology 2004 dropped yesterday on um by the time you're hearing this so you can hear uh, myself and john talk a little bit more about that and john's uh, thoughts on the film literally an hour after watching it so do go check that out guys yeah. and um i'll see what i can do by checking some of those films out because like you say we've got a film festival to cover but i've always got time for a book recommendation and then um, the last thing we do on the show before we wrap up is we like to see how we are staying bloody awesome because it's not easy to do, guys. It's hard, hard work mm-hmm. to stay this bloody awesome or at least to try to get to that level of awesomeness that you demand of us, that you say we must give or else you'll boycott and not listen. So thank you for supporting us and encouraging us to be better. Matt, how have you been staying bloody awesome? Reading. Yeah, oh. picked up some books finally um as as we do you and me both know we consume a lot of visual and i mean literal visual media so computer games we watch a lot of films uh more so yourself you watch a lot of series um and obviously audio as well podcasts and audiobooks but reading is something which i used to love doing and i still do i've still got a shelf full of books uh books there um uh, always read the star wars ones when i get sent but in terms of actual books, or I, I finally picked up a book the other day, um, and it recommended to me, and I don't know if you've read this, I'll be so interested to see if you have or not, but it's called The Caped Crusade, and it's uh, Batman oh. and the Rise of Nerd Culture. It's uh, by a dude called uh, Glenn Weldon, 
but it's all about Batman. Basically, it's from from his from his beginning in media to uh, BVS, I believe, and it's how you know Batman has changed across um, across the decades, and it's also kind of dives into why people you know how people think Batman should be this Batman or he should be this Batman or you know Adam West was my Batman therefore that's you know that's what that's as far as I go or you know Ben Affleck was my Batman whereas Glenn, Glenn dives into it and he's like well do you know what no they're all Batman Batman is all of this and it, it dives into the um the comics but also the making of the films which I was really interested in so you get to see more background to the Burton films to the the other ones in the 90s to the Nolan trilogy and obviously the Dark Knight along with that as well but good fun it's a fun uh, book to read and it also taps into the more modern day internet culture or let's or let's call them trolls for uh calling what they are so that kind of and the, the nerd culture and uh, that kind of stuff as well but if, if you can get your hands on it it's it's a very decent listen. He's been on Pop Culture Happy Hour an awful lot as well, this guy. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, when you said the name, I was like, I know that name. I was going to say, because I remember you've mentioned it to me as well. So, um, But yeah, I don't know if you've read that or not, The, the Caped Crusade. Uh, if you haven't, uh, I'm about halfway through now, and it's very good. It's, it's a lot. It's fun. You know, it's very deep. For somebody like me who doesn't, who doesn't have the knowledge that probably you do about The Caped Crusader, there is an awful lot of um, exposition, he dives really deep into the character and, and certain aspects of um, the, the how we, how it came to be in the stories. But I'm finding it fascinating, man. So how a how a Stonewall Batman film a fan like yourself will find it, whether you'll know all about it or not, or there's uh, new things in there for you, uh, I'd be interested. But the, the Cape Crusade, it's available on audiobook as well. I'd highly recommend it. Yeah, I'm I'm more inclined to do the audiobook for sure because I am I'm not a big fan of uh well I I want to read I I find it hard to focus a lot of times okay. on reading so I end up like I'll read a few sentences and I'm like nope I'm done and then um but audiobooks I tend to be able better at I still zone out but it'll grab me again especially if the the guy reading is is engaging or the woman reading is engaging yeah. I am more inclined to zone in but uh, even with podcasts I often will like completely phase out for a few minutes be like oh no that's still playing i didn't hear anything they just said um you know that's that's my brain it's what happens i try hard to like focus but can't always do it um which is why last night uh which what how i've been saying bloody awesome which was uh participating in the government process um i i had to uh speak at a board meeting that was uh it was a zoom board meeting so it was it was not like um a real one in the sense that we weren't all in the same room, but it, it made me think of like parks and rec or those uh, <laughs> we've seen it, those videos go viral with people complaining about mass ordinances and things like that. Um, I was uh, required, not required, but I was encouraged to speak up um, to help pass a, uh, a set of doc, a set of rules that will become um, our opening policy for uh, the beginning of the school year. Um, you know, it was, it's a debated topic of how, you know, how students should return to classrooms. Should they be in the physical space? Should it be online? Um, should it be some kind of combination of both, uh, and how soon and whatever the procedures once we're there. Um, and so I, I did a lot of research last night and getting my arguments ready, um, collaborating with some other peers who are like-minded with this particular topic, uh, anticipating, um, some debate, you know, cause it, there is no definitive answer. There is, um, 
I think there are this there are two sets of of thinking really when it comes to this is either you uh, err on the side of caution, which is the the camp that I lean. Um, you know, I'd rather play it safe than risk it. And then there are those who uh, we need to get back to normalcy as soon as possible. Yep. And I love that. I love that like desire because I want that too. I just don't think it's realistic right now. And so I, I would rather err on the side of caution than risk everything only to find out that we were wrong, you know? Um, Cause if we err on the side of caution and it turns out, Oh, it wasn't as bad as we thought at least nobody died versus, Oh, it was way worse than we thought and a bunch of people died, you know? So, um, but I, I've never really participated in government like this. I've never spoken in uh, this type of public forum. Even again, it's very different because it's Zoom, but I still like, you know, everyone's it's in some ways it's worse uh, because everyone can see you. Um, and like, cause you know, in a, if we were standing in a room, my back would have been to 90% of the people who were in the room with me versus like I, my face can be on their screen exclusively when I'm speaking. Um, even though I don't know who's looking at me at that time. And I guess in some ways that makes it easier, but at the same time, like uh, any little facial expression you make to someone else's comments is visible. And so it's stressful, right? Like being on those calls, I, I did end up turning my camera off because I am notoriously bad at not hiding my thoughts. Um, so I did not want to uh, offend somebody if I like raised an <laughs> eyebrow or like made a smirk or started laughing. Uh, even if they can't hear me laughing, they would see me like, oh my God, you idiot. Um, I did. I did aggressively turn my camera back on during one person <laughs> speaking. <laughs> like, cause I was like, no, 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 no. You're not going to get to say all of that and not, not let people know how crazy what you're saying is. And so I did like click my camera on and start making faces, but you know, I, for the most part didn't do that. Um, but I, it, after it was over and uh, I will say that the side I was on got a unanimous vote from the board. So I felt uh, like we did our job um, two hours into the meeting, mind you, but uh, I, I, it was cool being a part of that process. Like I'd seen it in movies. I've seen it on TV shows. I've never actually been involved with it. Um, so it was cool being on that side of the thing, you know, like being there, giving a speech, trying to motivate and encourage uh, people to, to agree with your perspective on a very divisive topic right now, you know, with, with this uh, issue. So that was how I said bloody awesome. I, sp I spent literally like two hours last night going, like finding articles I'd already read. I'd already had read and then like pulling information, but also finding new articles, uh, including what I think is one of the best uh, pieces that I'd read as an argument, which was um, that in Israel, they reopened schools in May because they, they, had, they thought they had crushed the virus only to immediately find out that they made a huge mistake and tons of people got sick. And I, uh, I don't feel like, a lot of people knew that happened and so much so that that was a New York times article came out today um, about what happened in May. So like, it was good timing for me because we found that article right before our meeting today. And it's like, well, what better case study this, they did the thing that you guys are talking about doing and it backfired and we're, they were in res like remission. Like the virus looked like it was gone in Israel when they opened the schools back in Florida where I am it, it is far from gone. It is running wild. And so we are still talking about opening schools. And it's like, uh, hey, if the place where it looked like it was gone had huge outbreaks, what do you think it's going to look like here where it's it's rapidly spreading already and you want to put kids in a yeah. room with adults for long periods of time? What are we thinking, guys? Seriously, what are we thinking? So glad uh, I'm glad logic and safety has won out for one more day. Yeah, well, you know, some people will have you think COVID's a myth and it's fake news. 
sadly, it ain't. Uh, so, yeah, well done uh, for that. And that is bloody awesome to be able to be on the right side of the game in terms of people's lives. And again, I'm not going to get political here. That's not what the show's all about. But I think you did the right thing in terms of could this potentially affect... Similar with Dune. In, in, in this essence, could this affect people's health and well-being? If the answer is yes, then you don't do it. If the answer yeah. is definitively no, fine. But if it's anything other than that, anything other than no, it can't, you, you have to err on the side of caution because yep. you, you don't want, you can't be putting people at risk. And uh, again, without, without getting too political, but whatever side of the spectrum we fall on, compassion, health comes first above anything. Okay. So well done. Uh, well done on doing that. And that is bloody awesome. I thank you, sir. Um, with that, that is our episode. That's how we've stayed bloody awesome. Those are the headlines. That's what we've been consuming. And that is our review of She Dies Tomorrow. Next week, when we come back, uh, we're going to be doing two things. We're going to be talking about a film festival, which we will leave up in the air for now. Which film festival? You'll hear next week. But oh. we're also going to be reviewing the Broken Hearts Gallery, uh, which is supposed to be dropping on Netflix uh, this coming Friday. Uh, so we'll be reviewing that next week. Um, if for some reason that isn't released which hasn't happened yet but we'll we'll just talk about the festival but as of now <laughs> our plan is the broken hearts gallery um in the meantime we ask that you just follow us on social media uh you can find us where on twitter matt is at bamp underscore podcast b-a-m-p underscore podcast and then on instagram we are bloody awesome movie pod uh facebook just search bloody awesome movie podcast you can't miss us um individually you can follow me on twitter instagram letterbox at burke reviews and of course burke reviews.com and matt where can they find you uh what i watch tonight.co.uk uh same as yourself twitter instagram letterboxd the search what i watch tonight and you'll find me there and then if you like what we're doing here at the bloody awesome movie podcast or if you like the back row or if you like burke reviews movie cast we ask that you take a minute, rate and review the podcast. It helps other people find us. If you're a fan of movies and you want to talk with other people who also like the things you like, well, finding a common ground with a podcast is a great way to do that. So just take a minute, hit that five star, give a little review. It helps us so, so much. Um, and with that, we encourage you to keep watching movies and stay bloody awesome. Blood, 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 bloody, blood, 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 blood,